Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're looking at verses 11, or excuse me, 9 through 11 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, as we continue our study on countercultural in the book of 1 Corinthians. How do you know whether or not you will inherit the kingdom of God? In other words, how do you know that you are saved? Well, this morning I, I have my apple here. And uh, man, it's just a good looking apple, a scrumptious looking apple. I just I just want to take a big old chunk out of. Well, of course, y'all can see that that's not an apple. And if I took a big old chunk of it, a big old bite out of it, uh, I wouldn't get the desired effect. Right. It'd be a little bitter, probably. Uh, this is not an apple. It's an orange. And you can tell that uh, because of, of just observing it. I mean, it's it's it's. The color orange, it's not red, it it's, doesn't have a stem on it like an apple does. And this is an orange, and you, you can tell that by observing it. Well, Scripture tells us that we can tell whether or not we are Christians by observing our lives. By observing our lives, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, You will re recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear uh, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. You know if you are going to inherit the kingdom of God by, or you can know if you're going to inherit the kingdom of God by observing the fruit of your lives. And that's what our passage today in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 teaches us. Here we learn that only those who are righteous in Christ will inherit the kingdom of God. Only those who are righteous in Christ will inherit the kingdom of God. And here in this text, we're going to see two proofs of salvation. So two ways in which you can look at your life, observe your life and know, have some certainty whether or not you will inherit the kingdom of God when you when you die. So I want you to observe the fruit of your life today. Uh, look at it. Consider your life and how you have been living and ask your question. Ask yourself this question. If you die today. Looking at your life, looking at the fruit of your life, if you die today, where will you spend eternity? Is the fruit of your life indicating that you will inherit the kingdom of God? Or not. Ask yourself that question today. As we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Now, just as a reminder for those who have been following along in this study, here in 1 Corinthians, Paul is addressing several issues that are taking place in that first century church in Corinth. There is sin in the Corinthian church. There's been factionalism, that is, there's division in the church due to pride. There's sexual immorality taking place in the church. There's greed, which has led to lawsuits, Christians taking other Christians to court. 
over financial matters. And Paul is concerned for the people of this church. And so he wants them to know what salvation really looks like. So let's read our text this morning before we dig into it. First Corinthians chapter six, starting in verse nine. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So this morning, as we begin to look at this text, we see here two proofs of salvation. Two proofs of salvation. How do you know you will inherit the kingdom of God? Well, the first thing that Paul points out here in our text is that you can have assurance of that salvation if you are not living a life of sin. If you are not living in sin. So look at this text again, starting in verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous, the unrighteous will not inherit the earth? Those who are not righteous, those who are not living in righteousness, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is those who are living in sin. Their lifestyle is a lifestyle of sin. And he goes on and says, do not be deceived. Now, it seems like these Corinthians were being deceived. Paul indicates here that there was some deception, maybe even some self-deception taking place in the Corinthian church. And they were deceiving themselves. Apparently, there was some kind of idea of uh, what we might call easy believism. Easy believism. We understand that today. Uh, there's this idea with easy believism that if you just say a prayer, if you just walk the aisle, if you just get baptized, well, then you're saved. And that's all you really need to do. It doesn't require any kind of a change of lifestyle. You can continue on and living a sinful lifestyle and no big deal. As long as you say that prayer, as long as you get baptized, as long as you walk an aisle, as long as you just say the words out of the out of your mouth. Hey, Jesus is Lord. Doesn't matter if it's really true about your life. If you say the words, then you're OK. That's that fire insurance. You're good. You're you're saved. And a lot of that's going around the church, this kind of idea, this easy believism. If we just, you know, just believe it doesn't call for a change of lifestyle or anything like that. If you just say these words, if you just do this, do that, you're OK. Apparently, that's what was taking place in, in Corinth. They were thinking, well, I've, I've said the words, right? I'm good. And so I can just live life however I want to live life. But that's not really the way salvation works. No, we're not saved by our works, but salvation does bring about good works. If you're truly saved, you will live, you will live a life of righteousness, not perfect righteousness, but you will live a life of righteousness. So Paul says, do not be deceived. Don't buy into this idea of easy believism. He goes on. 
And he begins to define what the unrighteous person, what a un, an unrighteous person looks like. And he, he gives a kind of a, a laundry list of types of lifestyles that are unrighteous. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. And at the end of this, I'm going to give you another list that kind of where Paul actually adds some other things. But these are specific issues that are plaguing the church here in Corinth. And we can learn a lot from it. Paul says, neither the sexually immoral, the sexually immoral, the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what is he talking about? Sexually immoral, that word there, that noun is, is the, the, the noun uh, pornos. Uh, it kind of has a familiarity to us. It's the word from which we get our word pornography. And sexual immorality is kind of a general term for any kind of a sexual relationship or sexual activity that particularly that takes place outside of, of marriage. Any kind of sexual activity that takes place outside of marriage. God created sex, that intimacy that is involved in a sexual relationship. God created that to be carried out within the confines of a marriage relationship, the bond of marriage, the covenant of marriage. And any time that a, any kind of a sexual relationship or any kind of sexual activity takes place outside of the marital relationship, it's sin against God. It's a sin against God. Any kind of perversion of, of sex that God ordained to take place within the confines of marriage is a sin against God. It's sexual immorality. So, yes, if you are running around and trying to sleep with this girl or that girl and see how many people you can sleep with, which seems to be kind of the, the, the mode of our society today. The goal in our society uh, is, is to sleep around with as many partners as you would like. Well, that's sexual immorality. That is sin against God. And so if you are engaged in a, a premarital sexual relationship, if you are engaged in a sexual relationship outside the bond of marriage, you are living in sin. You are living in sin. You are a sexually immoral person. So the sexually immoral will not inherit the earth, nor idolaters. Now, idolaters, of course, is, is putting anything or anyone above God. Now, this had direct application in Paul's day when you were there in the Roman Empire, first century Roman Empire. They had, Corinth had a number of different temples there to different gods. We don't see that as much here in the American culture, but certainly if you go to places around the world where Hinduism and Buddhism are, are flourishing, you see this. We went on a trip to Bali a few years back and, and you could see shrines all over the place to all of these other gods. These are false gods. These are not gods. And anytime you put anything above God, that is an idol. Here in America, it's not so much these shrines, these temples to other gods. Here in America, it's more about materialism. Materialism. You see, as Americans, we tend to put other things before God. We tend to put our material possessions, our bank accounts, and uh, things like football and baseball and soccer and all of these other things. We, seem to, we tend to put them above God, and they become a priority for us rather than God. Well, guess what? That's idolatry. That's idolatry. That's worshiping another God and not giving our full allegiance to the God of heaven. 
the idolater will not inherit the kingdom of God, nor will the adulterer, the adulterer. Now, adultery is a, a sexual sin, again, uh, that has to do with uh, sin against the marriage relationship. So this is when a, one spouse goes outside of the marital relationship, the covenant of marriage, and has a sexual relationship with another partner. Very common in first century. In the first century, it was very common for a man to have a wife and then have a mistress or two on the side. That seems to be a growing uh, kind of a thing here in America as well. Here in the West, it's quite common to, to sleep around even on your spouse. But that is adultery. And the passage says there, the passage says that the adulterer will not inherit the kingdom of God. An adulterer will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, he, he continues on there nor men who practice homosexuality, nor men who practice homosexuality. Now, that the, some versions will include the two different uh, words there, so especially the older translation. Uh, the Greek does use two different terms there, one for a passive partner, one for a dominant partner, but uh, this combination here, the men who practice homosexuality gets the point across. Those who practice homosexuality, God did not intend uh, for men to be with men or women to be with women. That's a perversion of God's uh, ordination of sexuality, what He created sex to be. Any kind of a perversion of God's natural order of things is a sin against God. In Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, Paul kind of builds on this a little bit more. Romans chapter 1, verse 26, For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So Paul doesn't just have in mind here just the homosexual relationship between men. Uh, Paul has a more broader kind of a, a idea in mind. It's any perversion of God's natural order of things. Whether it's two men or coming together in a homosexual relationship or two women or whatever. Everyone in the LBGT community are going against the natural order of God. They're living in sin against God. And the homosexual will not inherit the kingdom of God. He continues on, nor will thieves Thieves, of course, thieves are those who, who steal. But why do they steal? They steal because they covet. They covet other people's possessions. They want other people's possessions and they would rather uh, that person be without what they want. And they have it. And so they steal. They, they steal from people. So the thief will not inherit the kingdom of God, nor the greedy. Those who have a love for money. They're greedy. They want uh, other people's money and, and they're willing to do whatever it takes to get it. The greedy will not inherit the kingdom of God, nor will the drunkard. 
the drunkard will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, uh, of course, when we think of drunkenness, we think of, of alcoholism. We think of those who, who drink to the point of getting drunk. Really, the idea here is those who are living in excess. They're living in excess. It doesn't just have to be with alcohol. It could be just about anything. Uh, moderation oftentimes is all right with different things, but it's when you get to the point where you're just living in excess. You're, you're just taking in excess to the point of you want to lose yourself in this, whether it be uh, alcohol or drugs or whatever. It could even be, brothers and sisters, food. It could be food. Uh, just living in excess, taking in excess. This is sin against God. We should live in moderation, moderation in all things. Nor will revilers inherit the kingdom of God. Revilers. Revilers are those who are just mean and nasty people. They're mean and nasty people. They're abusive with their words. Uh, they just, they can never be satisfied. Always negative and always looking to, to get somebody in trouble. Or to get on someone's case, they're just, they're just nasty people, mean people. That's who revilers are. And Scripture says that that's uncharacteristic of a Christian. Revilers will not inherit the kingdom of God, nor will swindlers. Swindlers will do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to lie, cheat, and steal to get what they want in life. They'll lie, cheat, and steal to get what they want in life. Well, we see a lot of that today, don't we? We see a lot of swindlers out there just trying to take advantage of people. We see uh, our grandmas and grandpas getting taken, taken advantage of by swindlers who want to take all that they have, use it for, to build up their own wealth, and, and not really care that grandma and grandpa are, are left with nothing. Swindlers are all around, people who want to swindle people out of their money, but swindlers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Like I said, this is not an exhaustive list. You could add a number of things to this list. Going back over to Romans chapter 1, verse 28, Paul kind of adds to this list a bit. And since, they, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy and murder and strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things, those who, who live in that kind of a lifestyle, those who practice such things deserve to die. They, do, they not only do them, but they also give approval to those who practice them. They give approval to those who are living in that lifestyle of sin. And so, the unrighteous, the unrighteous, as Paul defines here, and beyond, those who live outside the will of God on a continuous basis, unrepentant, unrepentant, unchanging, those who live in a lifestyle of sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Now we do need to understand something here. That Paul here is talking about that lifestyle of sin and not sin in general. He's talking about a lifestyle of sin and not sin in general. Is it possible for a Christian to sin? Absolutely. We all sin every day of our lives because we are still housed in this old body of flesh. We are still sinners by our very nature. We're only being changed and transformed by the power of God. We will sin. Is, is it possible for Christians to commit some of these sins that we see here in this list? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. But here's the thing. A, a Christian cannot live in the lifestyle. Paul uses these, these nouns here to describe this. It, it's not the, the activity. It's not the action itself. It's living in that action. It's living a lifestyle of that sin. These are the sexually immoral people, the idolaters, the adulterers, the, the homosexuals, thieves, greedy, those who are greedy, the drunkards, revilers, swindlers, those who are living in that sin who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yes, a, a Christian can, can commit one of these sins, but here's the difference. Here's the difference. When a Christian commits a sin, the Holy Spirit begins to convict his or her heart about that sin. A Christian can't stay long in that sin because God is not going to allow them to stay in that sin. God is going to convict them. The Father is going to discipline them, chastise them, do whatever it takes to get them out of that sin. Yes, a Christian can fall into one of these sins and practice it for a little while. But if the, the, the lifestyle is defined by sin, when there is no conviction... There is no sorrow for sin when it is, when it is committed. Then the, then the evidence, the fruit, is not that of a person who trusts in Jesus Christ. It's not evidence of a changed life in Christ. It's, an, it's evidence of one who does not follow Christ. One who will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the question is, have you trusted in Jesus? Because that's really what it boils, boils down to here. Who is Lord of your life? Who is Lord of your life? If Jesus is Lord of your life, then you obey Jesus. You follow Jesus' commandments. Right? You follow him. You obey him. John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, the, keeping the commandments isn't a condition of Jesus' love. No, he says, if you love me, if you truly love me, you will keep my commandments. You see, it's not a condition of salvation. It's a, an outworking of, an outflowing of salvation. When we trust in Jesus, when we love Jesus, we want to obey Jesus. He goes on in chapter, uh, verse 21 of John 14, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. You see, when we love Jesus, when we follow Jesus, we make Jesus Lord of our lives. If Jesus isn't Lord of our lives, he's not Lord over our lives. I mean, that's it. We can say Jesus is Lord all day long. 
But if we don't follow Jesus, if we don't obey Jesus, then Jesus isn't Lord. You are are Lord, not Jesus. So you can say the words all day long, but if it doesn't come out in your life, then the reality is Jesus isn't Lord and you don't know Jesus. You don't love him. You don't follow him. The evidence is you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, do you know Jesus? Is he Lord of your life? Have you trusted in him today? Second, we can you can know you will inherit the kingdom of God if you are not living in sin. Second, you can know that you are, will inherit the kingdom of God if you are living in Christ. If you are living in Christ, Paul continues on there. Look what he says. And such were some of you. I love this. I love this. Such were some of you. You see, there's no reason for us Christians to boast about anything. There's no need for us to boast because we were sinners. We were lost. We were living in a lifestyle of sin. There's no way that I can ever look down my nose at at someone uh, who is living a lifestyle of sin like I'm better than them. We can't look down our nose at the adulterer. We can't look down our nose at the thief. We cannot look down our nose at those who are in the LBGTQ lifestyle. We can't look down our nose at them and think that we are somehow better than them because the only reason that we are saved is because of the work of God in us. It's by his grace that we are saved. It's not by what we do. So were some of you. We were all in a lifestyle of sin. But God came and saved us. So we we cannot boast in our salvation, but only give glory to God for it. Such were some of you, but you are washed. Look at this. Notice these these verbs here. These are passive verbs, right? You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. That is something happened to you. You didn't do anything. You didn't do it. It wasn't anything that you did. It was something that God did in you. He did the work. You were just a passive receiver of God's loving grace. You were, you were, you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. Now let's think about these words here. Paul uses these three terms here and you can just sum them all up. And and this is what salvation looks like. Kind of a broad picture of what salvation looks like. But uh, John MacArthur kind of gives some ideas about this. He says that washed indicates the, the giving of new life. Sanctified, being sanctified, indicates the giving of new behavior. And justified indicates the giving of a new standing. Being washed Being washed is the indicator of new life. It's that giving. God has given you new life. That's that washing of regeneration that God does in us. It's being born again. uh, Excuse me, Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says, He saved us. Jesus saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and he washes us clean of all of our sin. 
He washes us clean. He gives us a new life in Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. Uh, the, the old has passed away. Anyone who is in Christ Jesus, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He is a new creation in Christ. The old life, the old way of life, those sinful habits that, that were a part of that old life, those, those things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. We are born again, born in Christ Jesus. We are sanctified. That is, given new behavior. This will be given new behavior. The word sanctified means to be made holy. To be made holy. That is God comes into our lives and he changes our behavior. He changes our attitudes. He changes it to will and to work for his good pleasure. He, he gives us a new desires. We no longer desire to live in disobedience against God. Though we, we stumble and fall occasionally, our desire is to live for him. And to obey him, he gives us new desires. He gives us new behaviors. And you were justified. That is, we have a new standing before God. Once we were lost in our sins. Once we were headed towards judgment. But God gave us a new standing. He declared us righteous. He declared us righteous. Righteous in Christ Jesus our Lord. God did all of this. He saved us. He washed us. He sanctified us. He justified us. And all of this is by God's grace. It is by God's grace. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. You were saved in Christ Jesus. You were saved in Christ Jesus. That is that Jesus, he accomplished all the work. He did all the work that brought about your salvation, dear Christian. He came. He stepped out of glory. He was God's only son in all of eternity past. And he stepped out of glory. He came to this earth. He lived a righteous life, a perfect righteousness and a perfect obedience to the will of the father. And though he was without sin, Though he did nothing deserving death, Christ Jesus went to Calvary's cross and there on that cross, he paid the penalty for our sin, for our disobedience against God. He sacrificed it all. He went to hell on that cross in our place, taking on our judgment. And when God raised him again from the dead, he showed us that every bit of sin that we, have ever been, we had ever committed had been paid for by Jesus. And when we trust in him, he gives us his righteousness. He gives us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21. For God made him to be sin. That is Jesus. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. We are made righteous in Christ. He accomplished the work. And then the Holy Spirit comes and applies that work to our lives. It's done by the Holy Spirit. He, he applies it. He's the one who comes in. And, and when we come to faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. He gives us new birth. He regenerates us. He gives us uh, the new life and the new attitudes, the new behaviors. He does all of that. So that we no longer desire to live in disobedience to God. Now we desire to live in obedience to God. 
We want to follow him. We want to do what he says. We want to live a life of righteousness. We hate it when when sin creeps in. We hate it. It it hurts us. There's a mourning. There's actual contrition. There's a mourning over sin when when sin creeps into our lives. We, We want it out because we want to live for Christ. God changes us. God transforms us. God saves us in Christ Jesus. Think about it like this. There's a man going down the road and he, he drives up and he sees this stray dog out there on the, on the side of the road. This stray dog's hair is all matted up. It's all been wallowing around in the mud and the muck. It's the hair's all matted up and, and it's starving to death. It's skin and bones. And the man has mercy upon this dog and he pulls over. He picks the dog up. He puts him in his truck. He takes him home. He washes him. He cleans him. He feeds him. He brings him back to health. And that dog gets nice and good and fat and just loving the life there in that man's home. And then the dog looks up at the man and said, boy, aren't you glad that I came into your life? No, no. The dog is looking up at the man and say, praise you for picking me up. Praise you for cleaning me. Praise you for feeding me. Praise you for giving me this new life. And that's how it is for we Christians. We're that stray dog. We were wallowing around in the mud and the muck. And God came along and had mercy on us. He washed us. He sanctified us. He justified us. He made us his children. And we have nothing to do but give praise to him for the salvation that he has provided. Oh, dear friend. I'm just reminded of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in him who loved me and gave himself up for me. If you are in Christ Jesus, you desire to live by faith in Christ Jesus. And for Christ Jesus. Oh, dear friend, are you saved? Are you living a life of righteousness? Not perfect righteousness, but a life of righteousness in Christ Jesus, your Lord. If you were to die today. Can you look at the honestly look at the evidence of your life? Can you actually look at the fruit of your life? And can you say, honestly, today, I have certainty that if I die today, I would inherit the kingdom of God. If not, I plead with you. Trust in Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Declare him, really declare him Lord of your life and live for him. He'll do all the work. He will change you. He will transform you. He will give you new desires. If you'll trust in him, turn away from your lifestyle of sin. Turn to Jesus, trust in him and he will save you. Now, dear Christian, if you say yes, Yes, I can look at my life and I can see 
Christ working in my life. I can see the Holy Spirit changing my life and changing my desires. Yes, I know today beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I died today, yes, I would be inherit the kingdom of God. I would go to heaven. Then just praise God. Give glory to his name for the salvation that he has has provided for you. Praise him this morning. Oh, dear sinner, please today trust in Jesus. If you've never trusted in Jesus, give your life to him today and let him save you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the assurance of salvation that we can have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Lord, you provide the fruit in our life. You provide the evidence in our lives. Oh, Lord, certainly out there today, there are those who are are listening in. And Lord, they're looking at their lives. They're, they're, They're inspecting the fruit of their life and they're seeing a lot of rotten fruit. And they can see, though they may have 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 walked the aisle back in in Bible school, vacation Bible school years ago, and they they might have have prayed a prayer. They might have been baptized in in the church. But, Lord, they look at their life and they see the evidence not of salvation, but a life of disobedience. A life of sin. Oh, Lord, touch their hearts today. Let them turn to Jesus and trust in him. And Lord, move in and transform them into the image and likeness of your son. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.